Well, it's good to have Glenn back after a month uh, of uh, sabbatical. Good to see you this morning. All right, so I don't know how many of you really pay attention to the titles, but, uh, you know, you always try to use a title to set it up so people are interested. And uh, why be Baptist today? That just doesn't do the trick, does it? Uh, People who are diehard Baptists think, well, what's the question? And people who are not Baptists think, I don't care. So uh, I hope that maybe I can uh, draw some of the importance of this for you. And I'm doing this because I'm believing that before the end of the year, you will be calling a new pastor. And a lot of the way that we, as Baptists, call a pastor, a lot of the decisions we make are based on the way we do church, being Baptist. So I thought it might be important to just kind of hit uh, an important thing here about why it's important that we practice our faith as we do. And I would tell you that in the late 80s and early 90s, I pastored a church in Nashville, and for those of you who may not be aware, Nashville has always been considered sort of the headquarters city for, uh, for Southern Baptist. And I would say that a full 50% of the members of the church I pastored were either employed by Southern Baptist agencies or they were dependents, they were family members of someone who was. So uh, as a humorous song I once uh, heard says, we were Baptist to the bone uh, at the church uh, in Nashville. And I heard two weeks ago that they have had a preliminary discussion about dropping Baptist from their name. Now, I know this happens. I have, I have seen a number of churches that, you know, one week there's something Baptist Church, and the next week they're not. And uh, this has been a trend. Uh, in the early 2000s, the most common word in the name of any church other than church was first. So you have First Baptist, First Methodist, First Presbyterian. It was the most common word other than just church in the name of a church. And it was replaced in the early 2000s by the word community. The most common name in church names today is something community church. So why why is this happening? And I would give you two reasons. One, I think Baptists have, have suffered from a branding problem. If you want to think instead of terms of names of denominations, think of it as our brand. Baptist is our brand. And what I have discovered over the years is that as Baptists, we have something of a uh, Neiman Marcus self-image. And the further abroad you go from the center of the Bible Belt, the more we have a Sears image among other people. Now, I've bought a lot of things at Sears in my life, so, but we all understand that's a different price point, don't we? That's a different store. 
And the number of times that I have tried to talk to people about coming to the church I was pastoring, wherever it was, and I've had to explain, no, we don't run in the aisles and shout. No, we don't. I'm seriously, no, we don't handle snakes. And I often will say, you know, we don't bring those out till the rest of you go home. But uh, no, we don't handle snakes. And yes, some Baptists, some Baptists dance. Now, I don't dance well, so I don't dance. But most, you know, I mean, Baptists dance. So we have suffered from, I think, poor perceptions on the part of a lot of people. The second reason is this. And if you don't understand this, this is very critical uh, as life as a Christian in America today. Denominations are dying. Every single denomination is dying. Um, the seminary that I graduated from, Baptist Seminary at the time, was the third largest seminary in the world. And I don't know where it ranks today, but I do know it is one-third the size it was when I went. I also know that many Baptist hierarchy organizations uh, are now in their third, uh, third attempt to downsize because they can't afford the buildings they're in and they can't afford the staff that has occupied the buildings in the past, so they just continually downsize. I was on a uh, conference call a couple of months ago where president of the Presbyterian Foundation for across the country was talking and he said, we have a real problem. We almost have more property than people. If you don't know, uh, the presbyteries own the property. And so if the church goes out of existence, they have the property, but nobody to go in it. And he said, we have got a lot more property than we do people. And so it does not matter what brand, if you'll let me use that word, what brand of Christian you are, denominations are dying. Now, as a Baptist, I find this uh, a real shame because we have a very significant heritage and one that has... Um, been broad and has had um, the concern of others and other faith traditions at its focus. And now we have come to the place where, along with everyone else, we are declining. And whatever people think of us, they usually think of us as a fairly narrow-minded group. There is no religious tradition in America that had more to do with the establishment as a principle of this country than did Baptist. If you've read the meditation today, Roger Williams, who was uh, thrown out of uh, Plymouth Colony and started Providence uh, Plantation, which eventually became Rhode Island, Roger Williams came to America for religious freedom, but he didn't find it 
in Massachusetts Bay Colony. They came for their own freedom, but not for his. And so they banished him. And if you read those words of Roger Williams, it's very interesting that in the late 1600s, now think about how far ago that was. In the late 1600s, as a person who who, uh, spoke for Baptist principles, he was advocating freedom of religion for everyone. And we wouldn't phrase it this way today, but if you read those words, you know, he talks about Catholics and Protestants and Jews, and unfortunately the way he says Turks. He is saying religious freedom for the people who worship Jewish and for the people who practice Islam in the 1600s. And so Baptists early on were convicted that religious freedom meant religious freedom for everybody. If we worship by the dictates of our own conscience, then everyone should be allowed to do so. John Weatherford in Virginia was um, imprisoned for being a Baptist, and um, people found him so compelling that they came and stood outside the cell window to listen to him preach. And this befuddled the the, uh, state church people so much that they erected a wall outside his window so people he couldn't see when people had gathered. They put the embedded glass on the top of the wall so people couldn't climb up to hear him. And so, not to be outdone, the people got a long stick and a white flag, and they'd come out and they'd you know, wave it around, and he would know they were there, and they still gathered, even though they couldn't see him to preach, but he was Baptist. John Leland was a neighbor of Thomas Jefferson, a Baptist minister in Virginia. And John Leland personally had more to do with the the chain of events that led to the establishment of the first amendment to the Constitution, the freedom of religion. He had more to do with that than any other individual and any other faith tradition. We have a great and wonderful heritage. But the history is okay. What about today? Why be Baptist today? So we had a great history. Good. The primary principles of being Baptist, when we we talk about historic Baptist principles, One of the primary things that we are talking about is what we call soul freedom, S-O-U-L, the freedom of the soul, soul freedom. And the freedom to interpret Scripture, the freedom to pray and receive guidance from the Holy Spirit individually and follow God according to the dictates of our own conscience. And the passage that Allie read for you earlier is Moses uh, at the end of the book of Deuteronomy and the children of Israel are getting ready to, to go off into their respective areas in the Holy Land and he is telling them, God is putting choices before you all the time. Choices that are very important. Life and death. Choices that have implications 
for whether or not you follow God. And he admonishes them, choose. You choose. Will you do it or won't you do it? Just remember, there are consequences to your choice. And I believe we live in a day when as much as ever, if not more than ever, we are called upon to make choices about the way we express things like our faith and who tells us what to do. Is it a religious hierarchy? Is it, uh, does, I mean, are they celebrities? You want celebrities telling you how to practice your faith? Or politicians? No. What we want, what we want to do is to be able to follow the dictates of our own conscience, express that soul freedom so that God can speak to us and we're free to follow God in obedience. Now, along with this is a second principle, historic Baptist principle that we call the priesthood of all believers. And other Protestant denominations share this with us. But if we have soul freedom, it doesn't mean anything goes. It doesn't mean that my thoughts are God's thoughts. It's a very dangerous thing to think that whatever comes to my mind is God. That is a very dangerous thing. What is it Paul says? Test the spirits. Test the spirits to see where they come from. And so in Baptist life, we have always emphasized Bible study. We've always emphasized personal devotion personal relationship with Jesus Christ because this is how we find guidance. If it's just a matter of you you join a Baptist church when you're 10 or 12 and then everything you decide the rest of your life is okay, we know that's foolish. No, we, we learn what it is God says to us in Scripture. We learn how it is that the risen Lord Jesus Christ leads us every day and we test the things that we have been given choices about in life and as a priest myself with no one in between me and God I'm responsible to study to learn to listen and I have the sole freedom to express that conviction as I feel God leads me and so Was there ever a time that called more for this type of faith? This type of following Jesus Christ? So that no one, uh, you know, it's interesting during COVID, I've got friends who are Methodist ministers and uh, friends who are Episcopalian uh, priests. And like, you know, the big question, you know, when are you going back? You know, what are you going to do about starting back when we were all in lockdown and Uh, They would say, the bishop hasn't let us go back yet. I get that. But you realize every Baptist church decides for itself what we're going to do. Because the primary authority, human authority, the primary human authority in any Baptist church are individual believers. And as a congregation, we come together and we make decisions 
You ever wonder why we vote on so many things in a Baptist church? It's because the primary authority is with individual believers. And we come together and we decide as a congregation. This is important in the calling of a pastor because there is no one to appoint a pastor to this church. There is no one who says who it may be or who it might not be. We have delegated responsibility to a search committee who goes out and secures names and they do the prayer and the study and the, you know, trying to understand the leadership of God's spirit to come and recommend. But then on that day, everybody gets a vote because the ultimate authority is with the individual who follows the dictates of their own conscience as they find by study and devotion to Jesus Christ, and then they make the decision. Now, fortunately, we agree on the vast majority of things so we can get something done, but it really is the authority is with you. The church will call a pastor. Not a group somewhere, not a person somewhere. The church will call. And it's all a part of this principle of making decisions as individual Baptists. We don't inherit our faith. We don't inherit our faith from the fact that our grandparents or our parents but we all come to a place where we have to decide for ourselves. I mean, this is something we say in every service, isn't it? If you would decide today to follow Jesus Christ, because it's personal, no one can do it for me. I can't delegate the responsibility because that's the foundation of what we believe as Baptists. I choose then. I choose every day. I choose between death and life. I choose between the commandments of God to follow or to disobey. All as the Spirit would guide me as I study, as I follow, and as I listen. Why be Baptist today? I just can't imagine doing it any other way. I don't think we're the only way, but I guess I'm just enough of an independent rebel that I don't want anybody else to tell me what I must do. So each of us decide every day, life or death, good or ill, the will of God or my own way. Let us pray.